السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله النبي الكريم أما بعد فيا عباد الله يقول الله سبحانه وتعالى في كتابه العزيز بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم قد أفلح من زكاها وقد خاب من دساها صدق الله العلي العظيم Inshallah, today we're going to start a new series. But along the same topic of purifying our hearts, but with a different method. So it's the same goal with a different approach. Previously, we spoke about the different types of hearts. The focus was understanding the different types of hearts and their qualities. So that we can adapt good qualities and get rid of any bad ones. Now what we will be doing is another method of purifying our hearts but from a different angle. Through a series of inspirational statements and quotes of the pious scholars of the past. The book that we will be using is called Kitab al-Hikam. which is a collection of these motivational statements or quotes that will inspire people to do good. Sometimes you hear a very nice quote. So this book is full of nice quotes. It is written by a great scholar of the 8th century after Hijri by the name of Ibn Ata'Allah al-Iskandari, al-Iskandari rahmatullahi alayhi. He was a very famous a known Maliki scholar, an expert in the fiqh of Maliki. He was an expert Maliki fiqh scholar. However, his most accepted and well-known book is called Kitab al-Hikam, the book that we are going to be reading. The Book of Wisdoms. Hikam, coming from the word Hikmah. So Hikam, the plural. Kitab al-Hikam, the Book of Wisdom. Even though he was known for his, his knowledge of fiqh, but his most well-known book and the most accepted book and well-known work was his collection of inspiring and thought-provoking quotes and statements to help purify and strengthen the heart. And these quotes were dictated by him to his student, Taqiyuddin Subki Rahimullah, a very famous Shafi scholar. Why am I pointing this out? What's, what's the reason for mentioning the details of these scholars? It's to show how great scholars of their time did not only spend time in tafsir, hadith, and fiqh. Rather, they made it a point to take time out to purify their hearts and better themselves. Nowadays, there is so much focus on outward. And definitely not enough to inward. Even people who are practicing Muslims almost exclusively focus on the outward. We want to memorize Quran, nothing wrong with that. We want to do alam course, nothing wrong with that. We want to take courses on fiqh, hadith and tafsir. We want to focus on going on jamaat and we want to do all of these things. Which there's nothing wrong with it. These are all amazing things, but if the heart is not pure, then everything is a waste. The Prophet ﷺ said, Allah, 
ان في الجسد لمضغه اذا سلحت سلح الجسد كله واذا فسدت فسد الجسد كله على وهي القلب نمسنت بالله صلى الله عليه وسلم he said ala listen pay attention to what i'm about to say in our bodies in our jism in our body there is a flesh that if that flesh has been correct then the entire body is correct the entire body is healthy but if that flesh is incorrect if that flesh is corrupt if that flesh is not correct that flesh has some problems then the entire body is corrupt the prophet sallallahu even though he's talking about our bodies which is an outward problem but the messenger of allah sallallahu is not talking about outward he says ala listen that is the heart we are focused on our health. We take our medicine. We take our vitamins. We make sure that we exercise. We make sure that we eat healthy. We make sure we do our walks. We make sure we do those things that are necessary to keep the outward healthy. But rarely do we concentrate on keeping the inward healthy. And the Messenger of Allah sallallahu wasallam saying, if your heart is corrupted, then your entire body is corrupted. The first people that will go to Jahannam are who? The first people that the Prophet ﷺ mentions in a lengthy hadith. The first people to go to Jahannam are who? The alim, the qari, the, the generous person who built so many masajid. They are the first people to go to Jahannam. Why? Because they only focused on the outward. They only focus on saying, I'm an alim, I'm a great speaker, I'm very knowledgeable. I know tafsir, I know hadith, I recite Quran so beautifully. I give so much money to so many masajid, so much, so many madaris, to so many relief organizations, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you didn't do any of it for me. The martyr who died on the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what an amazing, you know, uh, what an amazing action to die in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but his intention was that he was fighting on the battlefield, so everyone would say, he's such a courageous man. They are the first people that are going to Jahannam. All of us, we keep focusing on our outward, which is good, no doubt. Memorizing Quran is admirable, it's rewarding, there's a lot of reward for it, there's no doubt. But all of it is useless if the inward isn't concentrated. And today I want to point on the inwards in a way that everyone benefits. Instead of just focusing on the alim or the scholar or the students of knowledge, but anyone, you can do whatever you want. And we're going to come to that conclusion by the end of this lecture, inshallah. So the first hikmah narrated by or mentioned by Ibn Atal, Ibn I want to start the book right away, inshallah. Al-ilmun nafi' Ibn Atal, he says, he says, beneficial knowledge is knowledge, the one whose rays of light expand in the heart. And that knowledge that uncovers the veil over the heart. It is interesting that Ibn Atallah, in his renowned book of Kitab al-Hikam, the first thing that he mentions is the importance of learning. He didn't say hadith or tafsir or anything. He said the importance of learning. The more we learn new things, whatever it may be, the more we appreciate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's greatness. And the more we appreciate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's greatness, the stronger our iman becomes. Everything we learn, everything, 
that we learn to technically make our iman stronger. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this in the Quran. Sarihum ayatina fil afaki wa fi alfusihum hatta yatabayyaranahum annahul haq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that soon I'm going to show you signs in the horizon. And I'm going to show you signs within yourself. And these signs will do what? Hatta yatabayyaranahum annahul haq. All of these signs will prove to you that Allah is haq. All of these signs prove to you that Allah is haq. So any knowledge you get that increases your iman, it should prove to you that Allah is true. A poet, he says in one poem, فَيَا عَجَبًا كَيْفَ يُقْسِ الْإِلَهِ أَمْ كَيْفَ يَجْهَدُهُ الْجَاحِدِ وَفِي كُلِّ شَيْءٍ لَهُ آيَةٍ تَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهُ وَاحِدٍ وَلِلَّهِ فِي كُلِّ تَحْرِيكَ وَتَسْكِينَةٍ أَبَدًا شَاهِدٍ he says, how strange is it that you can disobey, that you can disobey and you can commit a sin and you can disobey the Lord, you can disobey Allah. How does someone reject? How does someone reject these signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? In everything that you see, there's a sign. In everything that you see, in everything there's a sign. That proves that Allah is wahid, that Allah is alone. And for Allah in every moving thing, in every movement, and everything that remains still, all of these things are a witness to the greatness of Allah. Anything rather it moves or it remains firm or it remains still, everything should be assigned back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam asked Allah, Can I see you revive the dead? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked him, Don't you believe? Of course I believe, Ya Allah. But I want to give tranquility to my heart. I want to see it. It will increase my iman. My iman will be stronger. And many du'as. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has asked Allah to grant him beneficial knowledge. Allahumma inna nas'aluka ilman nafiha. Over here, Ibn Ata'Allah al-Iskandari rahmatullahi alayhi brings an amazing definition to what beneficial knowledge means. Now pay attention to this. What is beneficial knowledge? What is he saying? Most people, they would say that beneficial knowledge refers to the knowledge of Quran and Hadith. But Ibn Atta'Allah, that's not what he's saying. He does not say that beneficial knowledge is fiqh. He doesn't say it's Arabic. He doesn't say it's tafsir. He doesn't say it's hadith. He doesn't say it's aqidah. He says if the knowledge you are seeking does two things, then that is beneficial knowledge. Number one, it increases the light of iman in your heart. Number two, it uncovers the veil on the heart. So what does that mean? This means that any, any knowledge that leads to an increase of iman is beneficial. So, if a person is becoming a doctor, and that helps him increase his iman, that is better than a person who studies all the Islamic sciences, but it does not make a difference to their iman. If a person is becoming a doctor and that helps him increase his iman, 
then that knowledge is better than a person who studies all the Islamic sciences but it has no effect and it doesn't make any difference on that person's iman. Islam is not against of any type is not against any type of knowledge in specific. Matter of fact, Muslim scholars in the past were astronomers, they were mathematicians, they were doctors, they were engineers, they were geniuses. Everything that we do depends on the end goal. If the end goal of what you learn is to gain worldly pleasures and positions, then that is what Allah disapproves of. In the Quran, Allah clearly says this. Allah even says, stay away from people who have made the sole purpose of their knowledge this dunya. وَلَمْ يُرِدْ إِلَّا الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا ذَلِكَ مَبْلُغُهُمْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ Allah says, from those who have turned away from my remembrance, stay away from them. They don't want anything but this dunya. That, that is the end of their knowledge. The end goal of their knowledge is to make more money. Stay away from them. But the end goal of anyone who's studying any subject, any field, any science, if their end goal is to increase their iman and please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then they... And there's nothing wrong with what they're doing. The next part of the hikmah is khayrul ilmi ma kanat al khashiyatu ma'ah. Ma'ah. Al ilmu in qaranatu al khashiyatu falaka wa illa fa'alik. He says the best knowledge is the one accompanied by fear. Khashiyah by fear. If fear is accompanied with knowledge, then it is beneficial for you. Otherwise, it will be against you. Being able to attain knowledge in anything is a blessing. Our intellect and our understanding and our aql and our mind is a gift from Allah. He gave us this intellect to help us with our ultimate goal. Don't you think He will ask how we used it? How do we use this knowledge? Imagine, if right now I announce to you that I'm going to build a masjid and I collect $5 million. And the purpose of collecting that money is to build a masjid. And a year or two pass by, and you will begin to ask me, is there any progress? What's going on? If I tell you that I ended up using all the money to help buy some fancy chandeliers, the state-of-the-art toilets that can do the washing and the drying, and the most amazing nice ACs, and all the money has been sent, all the money has been spent, how would you feel? All of those things are good. But you would say that I missed the point. The purpose of collecting the money was to build the masjid. Those are all useful things. They're all good things. They enhance the main thing. They make the masjid look beautiful. They make the masjid more more accommodable. Or, or, you know, it, it, uh, it's more accessible to others. But the main purpose was to build the masjid and that hasn't been attained. I have all these items sitting in the warehouse, but I don't have to build it. So Allah has given us knowledge. Allah has given us so much. The main purpose of this knowledge that Allah has given you, this wealth that He has given you, this mind that He has given you, the, all of these things that He has given you, He's going to ask you, what did you use for it? What did you do with it? So if we study or learn, studying and learning is good, as long as it enhances the main point, and that is to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I'll end with this inshallah. What are some steps? to take to ensure that our knowledge, the knowledge that we gain is beneficial knowledge. Number one, 
correct your intention while learning. What's correct your intention mean? Nowadays we have people who like to talk. My niya is good, my intention is good. Your intention being good is not just telling ourselves it's for the sake of Allah. It's actually showing actions that show us for the sake of Allah. Your actions need to be sincere. It needs to show that everything that you're doing is for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number two, after learning, we got our degree, we have graduated, etc. After learning, or whatever we were subject we were learning and field we were learning, after learning, we have to make sure we have plans on how to use that knowledge to please Allah. So throughout your studies, Okay, when I finish, I'm going to use the knowledge that I have for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Throughout your studies, you're already building on this intention. And you know what that does? When you're studying, no matter what field it is, while you're studying another subject or in college or you're going to work, but in your mind, you are telling yourself, whatever I'm doing needs to be to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You will be surprised and amazed how many thoughts Allah puts in your brain. And when you do it on your own, it's so much better. Allah has given you any skill. And you start coming to the masjid and you're saying, I want to use my skills for Allah, but I don't know what to do with my skills. So if you're in construction, you see an opportunity, you know what, I get an opportunity to renovate a masjid. I'm going to go ask the imam myself. Or I'm going to see, you know, is there some, some place that I can donate? I, I really want to donate to something. And I've gained, I, you know, I earned so much wealth and I, I've been thinking about pleasing Allah and you know, I don't have the time to go do that work. Allah puts it in your mind and you start doing things you never thought you could imagine. You never thought you could imagine. Even for us, we only see this, we see the school, but rarely do people know that Alhamdulillah, our institute is giving hundreds of thousands of dollars to relief, international relief work. Rarely does anyone know that. In my mind, I never imagined that we could do that. But we are. So when your mind is there, your intention is there, Allah puts opportunities in front of you that you never thought were possible before. So now, let's say you, you know, you're, you're thinking, you know, I wish I could become a hafiz. And I couldn't do it. All of a sudden you say, okay, let me sponsor a student that becomes a hafiz. Then Allah will give you the reward as if you became a hafiz, but you never became a hafiz. Why? Because you use that knowledge and that wealth that you gain to support someone that was done. So after learning, we have to make sure we have some plans on how to use that knowledge to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number three, the time to learn is from the cradle to the grave. Never stop trying to learn more. As we get older, we feel like, you know, I've studied everything. I know everything. There's no need for me to take another class, listen to another lecture. We already heard it. Oh, you heard so many bands, so many scholars, so many lectures. Oh, you attended so many classes. We are... no, no. In the Quran, you will never find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the Prophet to make dua. Allah never commanded the Prophet to make dua. All the duas that is in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning Adam alayhi salatu wa salam made this dua Rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam taqfillana wa tarhamna but now commanded the Prophet to make those duas. 
except in one place. وَقُلْ أَوْ مُحَمَّدْ Say. A command is given to the Prophet ﷺ to say this dua. قُلْ 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 أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَهَدْ قُلْ قُلْ is a command. قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهُ قُلْ What dua? رَبِّ زِدْنِ عِلْمًا وَقُلْ رَبِّ زِدْنِ عِلْمًا O Muhammad say, رَبِّ زِدْنِ عِلْمًا رَبِّ زِدْنِ عِلْمًا O Allah, increase me in knowledge. Who's saying that? Who's being commanded to say that? The greatest of human beings in Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What was he commanded? This is the only dua he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was commanded to make. Rabbi zidni ilma, keep saying this. Oh Allah, increase me in knowledge. Oh Allah, increase me in knowledge. Oh Allah, increase me in knowledge. Rabbi zidni ilma, Rabbi zidni ilma. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala and the companions radiallahu ta'ala and majma'een. They never wanted to stop learning. Companions traveled thousands of miles just to confirm. Hey, I heard this from the Prophet ﷺ, and I think you were sitting next to me. So I wanted to ask you, do you remember hearing this from the Prophet? ﷺ? Yes, I do. Okay, that's all I wanted. You came a thousand miles for this. Why don't you come inside and have a lunch have lunch? Have dinner with me. This is the companion of the Prophet. ﷺ. Have dinner with me. Have lunch with me. Stay the night with me. No, no, no. I walked these thousands of miles with the intention that I just wanted to ask you, did you hear this hadith or not? I don't want to corrupt my intention. I asked you, you told me yes, I'd like to head back. It never ended. Amir al-Mu'mineen, Umar ibn al-Khattabi radiallahu ta'ala'an, Upon regarding whom an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Lawla ba'da Nabi. If the Ba'di Nabiya, if there was a Prophet after me, lakana Umar, it would be Umar radiallahu ta'ran. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ran, despite his vast knowledge, he in his Khilafah formed a cabinet that included youngsters, the age of his own children, so he can discuss and learn from them. Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma is sitting there and the other elder companion radiallahu anhuma say, Abdullah is like, Abdullah ibn Abbas is like, you know, he's at the same age as my son. Why is he sitting with us? Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala, what is your opinion and the tafsir of the surah إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ وَرَأَيْتَ النَّاسَ يَدْخُلُونَ فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ أَفْوَاجًا فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَاسْتَغْفِرْهُ إِنَّهُ كَانَ دَوَانًا What do you think the explanation of this verse? What was the Prophet trying to tell us? Ya Umar, the Prophet was trying to tell us that the end of my life is near. Because Allah is telling me, when you see so many people accepting Islam, وَرَأَيْتَ النَّاسَ يَدْخُلُونَ فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ أَفْوَاجًا O Muhammad, now, فَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ وَسَبِّحْ Now Muhammad, do the tasbih, do istighfar, إِلَّهُ كَانَ تَوَّابًا Your time is coming. And all the other companions, radiallahu anajma'een, were sitting there, they said, we didn't know that. This is why I have included Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhumah, amongst my cabinet. The time for learning never ends. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us true understanding.
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us beneficial knowledge. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us that knowledge that increases us in our iman, that brings us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jazakumullah khairan. Ba'akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.